Hello, this is Jim McCarty, welcoming you to the LNL Research Law of One podcast, episode number 88. LL Research is a nonprofit dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And towards this end has two websites, the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. I'm joined today by Austin Bridges, and in this podcast, we will discuss topics through the lens of the law of one and our own personal experiences. We hope to only offer a resource and provide discussion, not to present ourselves as authorities with the final word on these subjects. Please exercise your utmost discrimination while you listen to these, us ramble on. Many of the topics we discuss on the podcast come from questions sent in by seekers. If you have a question or topic you'd like for us to discuss, please send it in. You can email them to us at contact at lrresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org forward slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Jim McCarty, and this is the LL Research Law of One podcast. And today, as we did last week, we're talking about the corona pandemic, the coronavirus pandemic that has swept across the world in these last few weeks and the kinds of effects that it has upon people. And we're kind of looking at it not just from the way you read about it in the newspaper, the factual accounts of people and so forth, but maybe uh, different aspects that could potentially develop as a result of having to social distance, having to think about protecting yourselves, having to uh, be at home more, having to maybe look at a more spiritually oriented viewpoint. So today I want to start with some of the ordinary that we've been uh, subjected to for the last two weeks from our Courier Journal today on the front page. Uh, it starts off with a quote from uh, Governor Andy Bashir from Kentucky. Governor Andy Bashir warned Kentuckians on Wednesday that the White House's best case projections for 100,000 to 240,000 COVID-19 deaths nationwide might be an optimistic scenario. The projections, which presume that the widespread social distancing is implemented, would translate to roughly 1,300 to 3,200 deaths in Kentucky. Bashir is skeptical. Number one, I, we believe that their model might be an optimistic scenario, Bashir said. Number two, I'm committed that we can do better on our social distancing. I believe our numbers will be tough. It will be tough for people to see. I'm convinced that they are only a prediction and we as a people are tough, we are strong, we're committed to do what it takes. The toll from the pandemic spread continues to creep up in Kentucky with Bashir on Wednesday reporting 93 new positive cases and two more deaths. So that's what's happening here in Kentucky. And I'm sure wherever you are located in your part of the world or the United States, there's similar statistics and similar thoughts uh, being circulated around. Today, we would like to take a little different tack on approaching this uh, COVID-19 virus. And we have a quote from a Native American, uh, White Eagle. Now in the Native American community, there is a different take on epidemics and viruses such as uh, tuberculosis or flu or influenza or, or this virus as well. Uh, they have a different way of looking at it and I'm thinking about the quote that Ra mentioned concerning the Lemurians who uh, came to planet Earth after their planet was uh, destroyed by, uh, I guess it was earthquakes and uh, 
tectonic plate shifts and uh, swamping uh, areas with uh, too much water. Anyway, they reincarnated on Earth and were reincarnated as what we call Native Americans. And when they were on the Myria, they had what Ra called very advanced spiritual practices. So I'm just wondering if some of these very advanced spiritual practices have shown up in the Native Americans' approach to how they see viruses such as this pandemic. And I'm going to read, we have about a page long quote here from White Eagle. And uh, I'll read about half of it and then Austin read the other half. And then we'll, we'll go back and break it down and talk about the various portions because there's some very interesting information in here. So it starts off like this. This moment humanity is going through can be seen as a portal and as a whole. The decision to fall into the hole or go through the portal is up to you. If they repeat the problem and consume the news 24 hours a day with little energy, nervous all the time, with pessimism, they will fall into the hole. But if you take this opportunity to look at yourself, rethink life and death, take care of yourself and others, you will cross the portal. Take care of your home, take care of your body, connect with the middle body of your spiritual house. All this is synonymous, that is to say the same. When you are taking care of one, you're taking care of everything else. Do not lose the spiritual dimension of this crisis. Have the aspect of the eagle, which from above sees the whole, sees more widely. There is a social demand in this crisis, but there's also a spiritual demand. The two go hand in hand. Without the social dimension, we fall into fanaticism. But without the spiritual dimension, we fall into pessimism and lack of meaning. You were prepared to go through this crisis. Take your toolbox and use all the tools at your disposal. Learn about resistance with indigenous and African peoples. We have always been and continue to be exterminated, but we still haven't stopped singing, dancing, lighting a fire, and having fun. Don't feel guilty about being happy during this difficult time. Austin, would you like to finish that up? You don't help at all by being sad and without energy. It helps if good things emanate from the universe now. It is through joy that one resists. Also, when the storm passes, you will be very important in the reconstruction of this new world. You need to be well and strong. And for that, there is no other way than to maintain a beautiful, happy, and bright vibration. This has nothing to do with alienation. This is a resistance strategy. In a shamanism, there is a rite of passage called the quest for vision. You spend a few days alone in the forest, without water, without food, without protection. When you go through this portal, you get a new vision of the world because you have faced your fears, your difficulties. This is what is asked of you. Let them take advantage of this time to perform their vision-seeking rituals. What world do you want to build for yourself? For now, this is what you can do. Serenity in the storm. Calm down and pray every day. Establish a routine to meet the sacred every day. Good things emanate. What you emanate now is the most important thing. And sing, dance, resist through art, joy, faith, and love. Okay, thank you, Austin. Now, going back to the beginning here, in the first paragraph, they mentioned two choices. Uh, one's a whole, 
it's uh, you fall into with pessimism. And one is a portal. And if you have a more spiritual or optimistic attitude here, then you go through the portal. Austin, what is your opinion about what each of these is? What is the whole and what it is its reality? And what is the portal and its reality? Well, I guess they kind of seem like the same practical thing, but it just is how you approach it. It's sort of this um, this barrier into a new world. And if you have a mentality where you aren't mindful of what's happening and you are scared of change and scared of what's happening around you, it feels like you can fall through and you don't have any sort of... Um, any way to have control in the situation. Whereas if you see it as a portal, it is an entry into a new world. And there's a lot of unpleasantness and leaving an old world behind. But uh, if you take the mindset that transformation uh, necessitates some sort of uh, dying of the old in order for the new to be reborn, you can approach something as a portal. And that doesn't mean that it won't be a difficult experience. And it doesn't mean that we're going to get through it without any difficulty. And we should always maintain the mindset that if there's suffering around us, there's something we can do to help alleviate it, even if it's just sharing love. But if we see it as a portal, it's not so scary. It becomes this sort of uh, opportunity for us to enter a new world rather than fall through a hole and just tumble helplessly. That's how I see that. I think that's a very good interpretation. I like that a lot. Uh, and as you were saying that, um, the spiritual aspect of it sort of presented itself to me. And I was thinking about the term initiation mm -hmm. and wondering if this pandemic that is uh, going around the world so rapidly is a kind of uh, opportunity for initiation that we could either accept or reject that we might you know most initiations as far as I'm aware of them have some kind of a challenge that's necessary to uh, overcome or to go through or to transform in order to, for your initiation or your transformation yourself to be able to occur and I'm just wondering if this attitude of mind that uh, White Eagle's talking about here might be speaking to something like that, as you were saying, also, that uh, depending on how we look at this experience, if we can see an opportunity to open our hearts more and more to those around us, whether we're close to them or not, especially if we're not close to them, and still be able to help them by perhaps not being close to them, uh, a way of being of service that is uh, almost counterintuitive, but other ways as well um, of being able to see that the human race is, is one group of people on this planet. Uh, the Courier Journal had a cartoon the other day and it had a drawing of the earth and there was blackness of space all around it. And then the, the, the title of it was, this is us. So I'm wondering, you know, how easy or difficult it might be for people to see that we are all one. Um, because I think, you know, according to the law of one, that is absolutely true. But in this particular case, I think we're giving the opportunity to go either direction. And um, 
benefit or, or not from this. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on that particular portal or hole idea? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with like you're saying, it's sort of this, um, this mindset of how you approach it. And one thing that really has been highlighted for me throughout this thing is how much the future is unknown. And I think what the pandemic is helping us to see is that we never really have control over the future. We sometimes feel like we do. And when things are really comfortable, um, like it seems to be for a lot of people before this whole thing started happening just a few weeks ago, um, it's really just an illusion of sort of security we have in our lives. The future is always uncertain. And so when we're looking at this portal or this hole, we don't really know what's on the other side of it. And you were quoting uh, our governor, Andy Bashir earlier, and um, he said something during one of his briefings recently that I really liked. I can't remember what it was verbatim, but it was something like um, when we don't know what the future is bringing and when the future is uncertain, the only thing we can do then is to just do what is right in the moment what's in front of us right now and I think that is the sort of that's how to approach it as a portal it's how we maintain our bearing through this big transformation and how we don't fall into the hole which the hole I think um, he goes on to say uh, people consuming the news 24 hours a day nervous all the time with pessimism um, I think in order to keep from falling, we just have to think about in the moment what is right. We can't worry constantly about what the future brings. And it doesn't mean that we don't try to prepare for what could happen. It doesn't mean we don't consider the future and try to, you know, act responsibly based on what could happen from this point. But it's also acknowledging that we just especially right now, we don't know how things are going to play out. And so the most we can do is do our best to do what is right in the moment. And that could change moment to moment and day by day, but it's really all we can do. And just resting in that, I think, helps us uh, treat it like a portal instead of falling into the hole. That's a very good point. I like that, Austin. Uh, I think that's probably one of the few times that most people have to have to be in the moment, to not be able to really go forward with what their plans were because we don't know, like you said, we have to be here in the moment. And it's like it's uh, forcing us into a kind of meditative state. Uh, hopefully for those that uh, can look at it with a larger perspective and see that we are all in this together and we can, we can help each other out one way or another. Um, and like I say, there are lots of different things going on. Uh, the Courier-Journal has a, a woman, uh, Vita Morgan, who's uh, doing a column on the, the good deeds that other people are doing for each other uh, during this pandemic, uh, having flowers sent to someone's house or having uh, groceries delivered to someone they know they can't get out, um, you know, things like that. So uh, there, there is a, a tendency here and there for some positivity to come through. And I'm really uh, inspired by that. And uh, that brings up this, uh, in the second paragraph, I'd like to ask a question about, uh, White Eagle says, connect with the middle body of your spiritual house. Before that, it says, take care of your home, take care of your body, 
connect with the middle body of your spiritual house. All of this is synonymous. That is to say the same. When you are taking care of one, you're taking care of everything else. Now, I'm drawn to this the middle body of your spiritual house. What is your take on that, Austin? What do you think that might mean? It's a very interesting phrase. I can't, can't really know exactly what he means, but the way I interpret it is that um, we have sort of our, our, our mental relationships to ourselves and our spiritual lives. And so uh, we're in a situation where a lot of people right now are stuck at home. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that there are many people who are now not able to be stuck at home. They're um, the essential workers that are really working really hard and they don't have this opportunity that the rest of us have uh, to stay home. And um, they're sort of forced in the opposite situation. Their lives are much more frantic and difficult right now. So be sure to care for them and make sure you acknowledge that they are, uh, really helping us as a society right now. But for the vast majority of people, we're in this opportunity now where we're sort of stuck at home. And so he's drawing this parallel between our physical home, where we now have this opportunity to take care of our home and to take care of our body. And then he says, connect with the middle body of your spiritual house. And I think that's just drawing a correlation between the outer world, your outer environment that you're now sort of stuck within for more time than you would normally be. You have to pay attention to it. And then our inner world, the thoughts that are going through our heads, the way that we relate to ourselves and to others. And as we take care of our outer home, take uh, the time to ensure the environment that we're stuck in is well taken care of, which I think is a really healthy practice, especially right now, to make sure that um, where you're living is uh, reflective of sort of a a healthy, clean uh, nature. Um, it really helps with the feeling comfortable where you are for prolonged periods of time. Uh, we can do the same thing with our inner natures since we're sort of stuck and don't have a lot to do. Um, you know, it's it's fine to distract yourself right now. I think having, enjoying like a TV series, especially things that lighten your mood Uh, and sort of distracting yourself. I think it's good, but we also have an opportunity to um, be alone in silence for a while and figure out what our inner world looks like and try to tend to it like we tend to our outer homes. And it seems like that is the the middle body of our spiritual house, I think. Uh, And doing that outwardly and inwardly, I think, creates a sort of synergy where they both become more powerful. Like he says, All of this is synonymous, Uh, that is to say the same. And so when we do both at the same time, I think that uh, is the most holistic approach and it is the most powerful way to uh, care for ourselves and our environment so that we can then care for the outer world as well. I really like your interpretation. I think I like it better than mine, (laughs) but I'll share mine anyway. we live this life in what Ra called the uh, yellow ray body, in the third density body. And it's the one that we're here to use to eventually make this choice between either being of service to others or service to self. And as we progress through lifetime after la- lifetime, come to the point we are now, which is at the end 
of the first or the, the master cycle of 75,000 years of third density, we are in the midst of a harvest. And many people, apparently, according to Ra, for many years now have been, as they go through the death process, uh, having the opportunity to walk into the light and to be harvested, I guess, or be graduated into the fourth density of love and understanding. So at that point, if each of us can think about what it would take for us to be able to be of service to others in the degree that would help our harvest, then we might be thinking about what I would say could be the middle body, which would be uh, the fourth density body, the body of our heart, the open heart, or the green ray, the, um, what Ra called the astral body. And that body is something that we would eventually realize as we walk into the light and discover that we can sustain the impact of the light to the degree that we are harvestable. The first body, though, that would come to us would be the uh, much more spiritual body, the uh, form maker body, the indigo ray body, which would then uh, sort of greet us and... Uh, if we are of this earth, and this is the first chance we've had to get into the fourth density, then would uh, place us there, and we would begin to uh, find our home with other graduates of the third density into the fourth here on earth, so that we would form our own social memory complex. But um, that's just my own particular thought about this topic, and I think I kind of like your, yours better, Austin. But uh, it's, a, it's a possibility now. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about that topic before we go on? No, I'd just like to say uh, interpretation. <laughs> well, you. And um, I don't, it's hard for me to really connect with the idea of our different bodies. I don't have a good experience of that. So I always tend to interpret things more uh, cerebrally, I think. So um I think both can be valid interpretations. Yeah, I think it well, you know, well could be. Okay, in the third paragraph, White Eagle says, do not lose the spiritual dimension of this crisis. Have the aspect of the ego, which from above sees the whole, sees more clearly. There is a social demand in this crisis, but there's also a spiritual demand. The two go hand in hand. Without the social dimension, we fall into fanaticism. But without the spiritual dimension, they fall into pessimism and lack of meaning. So could you talk about what you think the social demand might be in this uh, situation of the coronavirus pandemic and also the spiritual demand? Yeah, this is, I think my favorite paragraph in the whole thing where he talks about seeing it as an eagle and the two demands, the social demand and social dimension and the spiritual dimension. I think the social dimension is what we see directly around us. And it's probably what seems the most dire right now. If we keep that sort of narrow view of what's directly around us, it can seem really scary. Um, right now, society is calling on everybody to behave in a certain way, to think certain things, to treat people in a certain way. Not everybody is necessarily on the same page. I think there's, just as with everything, a wide spectrum of belief 
and buy-in into what's appropriate and how to respond to this crisis. But, uh, and some people I think don't even believe that it is a crisis and think it's all uh, an overreaction, but that's still, you know, you, you're relating to the overreaction as a spiritual uh, and social being. So I think the social demand is directly how we see it impacting things in our lives right now. Um, in a very practical way, unemployment is massive and people are out of work and people are struggling to get by. And there are things that we can do, whether it's uh, donating, if we have the ability to donate to different funds and organizations that are trying to help, whether it is uh, going and doing something to help directly or simply uh, trying to reach out to people that we know personally and make sure that they're okay and tending to people in our own social lives. I think that's sort of what the social demand is, uh, but it's hard to exist only within that social sphere because there is a lot of anxiety within that dimension right now. And it can be sort of like a gravity well. And if you just stick within that, it might seem a little hopeless. Uh, and so then he talks about having the aspect of the eagle where you see things more widely. And I think that is more indicative of the spiritual dimension where we can understand that what is unfolding is part of a spiritual process that we are all going through. For the first time in our lives, really, something that is so encompassing of the entire world or uh, at least most of our own uh, societies is we're now all focused on one thing and we all have an opportunity to transform from this global catalyst and that uh, things like this always pass uh, one way or another. Uh, sometimes they leave a lot of suffering and destruction in their wake, but uh, everything passes. Like Ross says, the um, grass grows and dies again, only to grow, uh, grow again, um, something like that. And it's the one creator that is persistent through the whole thing. So I think the spiritual dimension is recognizing that this is just one season of the grass growing and dying, where uh, the one creator persists through it all. And we can rest in that knowledge that this is a process that rests within an infinite intelligence and it's an opportunity for us to both experience more directly the social world and also uh, grow our knowledge of that spiritual world through um, this contrast between the two i think that was really good austin i i appreciate that um and i totally agree with everything you said uh i don't know if i can add too much to it um, the social demand, it seems, is something that has grown uh, more as time has gone on uh, so that people are taking it more seriously now. Although, all you, as you said, there are people who still think, well, this can't be true. This, you know, it's just too amazing, too uh, overwhelming to think that all this is going on in the world. Uh, my plumber that was out here helping me on my trenching project did not believe in this at all. He thought it was uh, a, a joke, mm -hmm. and he just refused to believe it. His, his wife told him, uh, well, when you leave his house, be sure and wash your hands. 
wash my hands. Here, this is what I'll do. And he began to lick his fingers. So, uh, like you said, there is a variety of response from people. And I think that the social demand is that we need to be concerned about each other, not just ourselves, but in being concerned about each other, it can take the form of being uh, willing and able to practice the social distancing. That might at first seem like it's, uh, it's so foreign as an idea, but it seems so necessary. It, it, in some instances, I think it's uh, so unreal to uh, many people to think that this is going on now and it has to go on that they are sort of walking in a twilight zone for a while. And then after hearing more news, talking to more neighbors and communicating in their own little social circle via you know, their telephones or their computers, uh, discovering that there is uh, indeed uh, this massive pandemic going on and that each of us does have a responsibility to make some kind of response that will do our best, you know, whatever our best effort can be that is being realized now by more and more people. And so I think we're being asked to stretch ourselves, to go further in our, not only our perception of what is happening in the world, but in how we can be a positive influence in how it all goes and eventually turns out, you know, should it actually come to an end at some point in the future, and I think for some people, uh, and for me too, it's, it's a, a way of looking at myself and my responsibilities and trying to find more ways of being of service that would probably not involve my interacting with people, but maybe in, in wishing people well, in uh, seeing people as my other self, truly, as Ross suggested, we all are, and uh, hoping the best for everybody and maybe those vibrations of love that we can send out can have an effect as we become more aware of the uh, severity or reality of the situation and uh, I, I think that probably what is happening on a global scale is that people's eyes both their their physical eyes and their inner eye of perception are expanding so that we, of necessity, have, have to see things in a broader view, just like White Eagle said, from the point of view of the eagle. And then, again, you know, that blends in very easily with the uh, spiritual perspective, as we see that we, we are each other's brother and sister. We are the one creator. And I think that people have different ways of coming to that realization, depending upon their, their background, whether they have a spiritual, a religious, or a atheistic or uh, communistic or whatever uh, background as their history and how they frame the world around them, that this spiritual reality then also gives us and requires of us that we expand our point of view and attempt to see everybody as ourselves and uh, wish them the best and feel for them, feel with them uh, what's happening especially those who are losing loved ones, because uh, to lose a loved one under any circumstances is difficult. Um, and I know that for sure. Yesterday was the five-year anniversary of uh, Carla's passing, my wife. And uh, 
I, uh, I still miss her to this day, uh, like I did as, as if it were uh, a couple months ago. So I know that the kind of crisis that each of us goes through as we lose uh, friends and relatives uh, is something that makes a mark upon our soul and our mind and our emotions in a way that if we can be more accepting of the circumstances and realize that this is all something that is, I don't know if you would say foreordained or predetermined, but that it's not by accident, it's not by chance, it's something that uh, all of us uh, are going through, and uh, I think that's something that the White Eagle mentions a little later on here. So, uh, any other comments on that particular question? Yeah, I really enjoyed everything that you uh, said and the entire perspective that this is really forcing us to um, look at other people differently. It's interesting how a catalyst like a, a worldwide virus, uh, it, it's a weird way of connecting us because this is a, a novel virus. Nobody in the world has immunity to it or had immunity to it before it popped up. And that means that it is this weird uniting factor between everybody in the world that this is something that everybody can do, can, can experience. And the entire world is responding to it all in a very extreme way. And it's really forcing us to consider how we connect with people, especially the way we're responding to it and quarantining and sort of disconnecting us from people. It's really forcing us to consider uh, the nature of our connections with others. Um, and one small thing, uh, just to add to what you were saying and holding people with love and just with the different perspectives and different beliefs around anything, but in this scenario around the nature of this catalyst, you know, there are some people that believe it's all sort of a hoax. There's some people that believe that we're all reacting to it wrongly. There's some people that believe that we're not reacting to it strongly enough. And I think it's also an opportunity to figure out how to relate to people who have different views than you do with love. And uh, I think it can be really frustrating when you're interacting with somebody who has a different approach to this than you do. And it's been challenging for me personally with um, some family members who are really upset with the fact that there's any response at all and um, figuring out using that as catalyst, figure out why is it upsetting to have somebody else think differently than you. And there are real world implications in how people behave right now, but uh, how can we relate to that with love instead of frustration? And how can we interact with others with love instead of frustration when they have a different worldview, uh, especially when that worldview seems to be, uh, destructive and no matter which side of the spectrum you fall on it seems like it's easy to blame the other side for behaving wrongly and so how do we relate to that I don't have any answers for you if you want some answers um, yeah. I just think they're good questions to consider right now it's sort of the catalyst that is going on for a lot of people I think yeah and you know that's what we have been doing all our lives and it just is now ramped up so much that it's very much more obvious that we are having to work together in some fashion, even though there are widely variant points of view, as you said. 
So it's just a, uh, a greater chance to do what we've been doing. You know, it's sort of like increasing the, in uh, the Olympics, they have diving and there's various degrees of difficulty for dives and you get more credit for the more difficult dive. Well, the dive we're taking now has got some really high points on it. You know, we can get a lot of credit for it if we can do this well. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what he says. Move on to the next one where um, White Eagle says, you were prepared to go through this crisis. Take your toolbox and use all the tools at your disposal. Learn about resistance with indigenous and African peoples. We've always been and continue to be exterminated, but we still haven't stopped singing, dancing, lighting a fire, and having fun. Don't feel guilty about being happy during this difficult time. So I wonder what White Eagle might have meant when he said, or she, I'm not sure which one, I've, I've seen both credited. You were prepared to go through this crisis. Take your toolbox and use all the tools at your disposal. What do you think he's talking or she's talking about? It's it's hard to say specifically what White Eagle is talking about. I feel like it's possibly the perspective that all of us are prepared for any opportunity that's put in front of us, even if it seems insurmountable. And even if in the physical realm, it is insurmountable. Spiritually, we are all equipped to uh, deal with any sort of crisis or circumstance that comes before us. I think that's what White Eagle is talking about. I think we can interpret it maybe in a more law of one point of view and probably say that anybody who is incarnated right now, they probably saw something like this on the horizon when they incarnated. It was probably something that we knew was going to happen and that we uh, maybe even looked forward to wanted to experience because it is such a catalyst and opportunity for growth and especially probably wanderers too the when wanderers are looking at the potentials that could unfold uh, in their incarnation on earth they probably see something like this and see that would be the perfect opportunity for me to just ramp up my light and love and uh, really help out in a time of need so i think that uh, just generally they may have been saying that we are prepared spiritually uh, just because we are all complete full beings, uh, 360 degree beings. Uh, but law of one wise, I think we all incarnated with the knowledge that this and, you know, anything like this at least was possible and that we uh, rose to the opportunity, rose to the challenge to incarnate anyways. Yeah, I, I think that might be part of uh, what's going on. It made me think for the first time, actually, that maybe as a culture or even as a planetary consciousness, there could be something that would be the equivalent of pre-incarnative choices for individuals. Because individuals make choices as to the lessons they want to learn before the incarnation. And during the incarnation, their subconscious helps them out by helping them see the catalyst that comes their way in a certain light so that the lessons they plan might be able to be learned. And I'm just wondering if cultures or peoples, races, entire planetary populations might have something like this going on. And it kind of makes sense because each of the planets that's provided a population to try again on third dance and, and earth is full of a lot of people who have already failed to make the harvest on other planets. They come from those planets with the hope 
that they can make the choice here that they couldn't make there. And maybe as groups, there are energies set in motion that would provide opportunities just like this pandemic has provided, like you said. And to me, that's just an amazing thought that, you know, a group of people, what we know, for example, like those from Maldek, when they destroyed their planet, eventually became able to be consciously aware of what they'd done, set about to make uh, reconciliation and uh, try to ameliorate the difficulties that they had caused. And they did it as a group. So I'm thinking that uh, that may well be part of what's going on here. And also, we know that there are other entities from other third density planets who've made the harvest on their planets and have come here early to help with the harvest on this planet, especially because it is a time of great turmoil and difficulty and such times prevent, present more and more opportunities to grow, just like you said, uh, because it is a more difficult time. So I think that the energies that are in motion here are massive, that they are uh, almost unimaginable uh, as far as I can see, but they do present each of us with uh, more and more opportunities to do what it is that we came to do as individuals and as groups. And as far as the toolbox goes, I think, especially for wanderers, but I think everybody, wanderer or not, would come into incarnation in any third density planet or any other density with certain abilities and skills of a mental, emotional, and spiritual nature, and maybe the physical too that uh, might help them in their progress. And so our toolbox is probably, uh, as each of us, unique, but is something that we could use together to um, solve problems, to uh, meet challenges, to expand thinking, to increase our love of our brothers and sisters. Um, I, I like the idea that you are, were prepared to go through this crisis. Okay. Uh, any other thoughts on that particular? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, just really quickly, I really like the idea that you were talking about, that just like for individuals who plan for certain events and circumstances within their life, the collective could do that too. Gary kind of brought that up in the last podcast and talking about how you know individuals can have catalysts. And Ra talked about essentially applying the two by four to the forehead to catch the attention of the individual uh, and that this is sort of like the same thing but for the collective and it's just really interesting to think about and you, you said it was unimaginable the sort of energies that could be behind this and I think that's really true like we can't fully grasp that sort of uh, spiritual unseen intelligence behind something like this but Ra did talk about I think they they called the social memory complex, they had an oversoul, uh, something like that, where it was sort of like a higher self, but for a whole uh, social memory complex. And I imagine that there is this collective intelligence that sort of can design things like ju what just happened. And I think that maybe the planet Earth, the, the Earth itself is involved in that. Um, I had a conversation with our friend Fox a little bit about that and how Gaia is part of our social memory complex, the social memory complex that we haven't fully realized yet since we're still in third density, but that uh, 
there's sort of an intelligence behind these events that are seem to be designed very uh, interestingly to help us recognize certain things. And you talked about how if we come together, we can achieve more. I think that intelligence, the the vast unimaginable intelligence that can sort of design something like this can be available to us as a society if we all sort of orient in our seeking and become like what Ross said, a social memory complex. If we can all sort of point in the same direction that the unimaginable energy could be available to us to not just uh, overcome a crisis like this, but to create like uh, Charles Eisenstein says, the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Um, now, the next thing that uh, White Eagle says here is uh, learn about resistance with indigenous and African peoples. They've always been and continue to be exterminated, but we still haven't stopped singing, dancing, lighting a fire and having fun. Don't feel guilty about being happy during this difficult time. I'm wondering now, how do you think he is using, or she, <laughs> I haven't figured that out yet, the word resistance. Uh, do you think it's something of, um, do not give in to the pessimism and the uh, overreaction of worry and fear? Or do you think it's uh, more positively oriented in, uh, well, what do you think about it? <laughs> Just let you say it. I think that it's a little hard for us uh, to relate to something like that necessarily uh, from our point of view never dealt with the same sort of things that indigenous people have had to deal with, um, at least in our sort of current history. So I'm betting that people, indigenous and African peoples have a different idea of what resistance is than what we can really relate to. But I do think that your what you first said is probably really close to it. It's sort of um, not giving into the pessimism and not giving in to um, just helplessness and hopelessness and uh, maintaining a spirit as we're attempting to go through a crisis. And I think for indigenous peoples, going through a crisis sort of seemed like a resistance because there was this outward pressure from uh, colonization uh, that was really stealing and taking away their way of life. And so that might be why a white eagle um, sort of orients it as resistance. But for us, we also have sort of this outward pressure that is altering our lives. And um, we don't necessarily have to think of it as resistance, but maybe we can and just sort of resist the temptation to fall into the hopelessness of what our situation feels like and um, go through this uh, global catalyst uh, that can be really dire and feel really dire, but like White Eagle says, um, continue to sing and dance and have fun as we do it. I think it can feel kind of weird when it seems like the world is falling down around you, but you're still able to laugh. Uh, but I think it's necessary because that's really the only way we're gonna get through it. Yeah, I think you're right. Um... Going back to what I mentioned about the uh, Lemurians having incarnated as uh, Native Americans and having a very 
advanced spiritual practices when they were in Lemuria, I have a hunch that whether these are from Lemuria or not, that they have this attitude about themselves. They know who they are and they know they have a relationship to the creation and to the creator and to each other and to everybody. And if there are some parts of the population of the planet that are a little bit wacky and are behaving in very maybe hurtful ways and uh, very dangerous ways, still they know eventually all is, well, all times all is one and eventually all will be one again. And so let's sing and dance and rejoice at the fact that we are all one and we are going to make it through this because this is a challenge and all our life is a challenge of one kind or another. And if this is a big challenge, then we will make the best effort we can and we will also sing and dance as we do it. I really love that attitude. And I think that is the kind of resistance that makes so much sense in, in a world where most people, when they think of resistance, they think of something that's uh, adversarial or uh, physically dangerous or something, but it doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. It can be joyful. Any more thoughts on that, Top? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, well, let's head on to the next one. This next paragraph says, you don't help at all by being sad and without energy. It helps good things emanate from the universe now. It is through joy that one resists. Also, when the storm passes, you'll be very important in the reconstruction of this new world. You need to be well and strong. And for that, there is no other way than to maintain a beautiful, happy, and bright vibration. So the reconstruction of a new world, what do you think that means? I think our, we're seeing that our structures of our society are kind of faltering right now. And who knows how much this will really cause things to break apart. Um, currently, I feel like the change that we'll see will be significant, but I don't think it's going to be a complete societal reconstruction. But there will be a new social perspective, I think. This is going to be a significant imprint on the collective psychology of everybody in the world. And I think that we'll need to be there to uh, help orient people and possibly help when people are looking for um, balance or trying to find their footing in the new world that we emerge into. It will be very helpful to have people who are able to relate to it in a loving and spiritual way and sort of be examples of um, a new world that can exist. So I think there are a lot of not just actual societal structures, but sort of psychological structures that we built up as society that might really be strained and possibly break during this time period. And um, there's always going to be some disorientation from that. And uh, we can really aid that disorientation by just maintaining our clear, um, loving vision. I do want to comment on um, the first sentence White Eagle says you don't help at all by being sad and without energy uh, it helps if good things emanate from the universe now I do agree with that but I also want to encourage people not to try to suppress their emotions not to um, dismiss what they're feeling I think it, 
at a time like this, it's completely natural to feel sad and to um, feel hopeless. Like that is not an unusual thing for you to feel right now. And don't blame yourself if that's how you feel. Uh, but it, if, if it is how you feel, you can always bring that feeling into meditation and try to look at it with love and try to help balance that energy within yourself and care for yourself so that you can sort of get a better grounding. And so you can start emanating more love uh, than sadness and nervousness. I think it's totally fine to feel like that. But I think what White Eagle is calling us to do is not to just get caught in that pattern of sadness and nervousness and anxiety and to do what we can to transmute those energies into something loving so that we can be an example for the world when the world really needs it. That was beautiful, Austin. I really think uh, it's important to say exactly what you said about people feeling what they feel. If they're uh, feeling down about a situation, a particular one or in general, uh, don't be afraid to be down, just like you said, because if you're vulnerable to any feeling like that, you're also opening yourself up to the possibility of great energies of um, love and acceptance being able to pour into you because you've taken down your defenses and you've made yourself vulnerable to um, reality. And the life um, that we live is oftentimes uh, difficult and we need to be able to live through those difficult times just like we live through times that are not difficult times that are joyful times that are very productive times that are unproductive we are like ross said we are uh, 360 degree beings we have the potential to do everything to feel everything and to identify with others that are feeling the same things but i think just like you said the part that we need to do is to not be afraid to feel afraid or worried or confused but be open to it and explore it. Don't just stop there and wallow in it. Get, get a, a feeling of, well, where do I go from there? Because there's a good reason for feeling that, but I'm also part of the creator. There is something else available here. If I put my mind to it, open my heart to it, I think maybe there is a way through it. Uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. My rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I think we do all have a rod and a staff. Whatever our religion might be, there is some sort of inner strength that uh, we can call upon and uh, become a, a shining being that walks through that valley and makes it to the other side and, and helps other people do the same thing. Uh, any more thoughts on that? No, not for me. That was beautiful. Okay. Um, Next to the last paragraph says, this has nothing to do with alienation. This is a resistance strategy. In shamanism, there is a rite of passage called the quest for vision. You spend a few days alone in the forest without water, without food, without protection. When you go through this portal, you get a new vision of the world as you faced your fears and your difficulties. This is what is asked of you. Let them take advantage of this time to perform their vision-seeking rituals. So I think that's most, mostly what we were just talking about. Did you see anything in here that, uh, that spurred some other response you'd like to make? No, just I feel like it connects back to what we said earlier about initiation. That rite of passion, passage is sort of a, a lifetime initiation. Um, 
into a new world. So yeah, it's, um, I think it's an apt connection that he's making or that white Eagle is making between the fact that we're all sort of alone and scared right now. And that is kind of what the um, vision seeking invoked in people is alone and scared, but it's facing that uh, with the spirit to allow it to transform you that um, brings us to a new world. Truly. And you know, uh, he, uh, White Eagle talks about shamanism. I think that uh, what we've been talking about so far through this uh, discussion has been what the ordinary person, the average person on the street uh, can do in times of distress, such as this pandemic. But in shamanism, I think we're going, as Ra would say, into the area of the adept, going beyond the, the green ray of open-heartedness, which we're all hoping that we can develop in this situation. But I think there are some here, perhaps wanderers, others that have studied uh, spirituality for most of their lives, or a goodly portion of it, that can help to blaze a trail, shall we say, can do some planetary healing through their envisioning, through their visualizations of uh, healing the planet, uh, through their connection with the creator, uh, having uh, those experiences of illumination where they see that all is one. And then, you know, as a shaman, uh, begin to share that type of energy with everybody. Because as Ross said, when a person has that type of an illuminatory experience, the first response is most usually not to go on to a higher density, but to come back and share that with everybody else. Because you see how much people need that type of inspiration. And so I think there are some in our world that have this ability and can show the way. And I think White Eagle is one. And uh, here we are talking about what White Eagle's been saying, but I think there are a lot of other people of that nature that are making similar contributions so that there can be a, a growing inspirational quality to the whole experience when you can become aware of greater realities and greater possibilities and begin to move in that direction in whatever fashion you can uh, to become uh, a shaman for others. Any other thoughts on that particular topic? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, down to the last one. I think he's already asked some, or she has some sort of a question like this, but we'll try it here. What world do you want to build for yourself for now? This is what you can do. Serenity in the storm. Calm down and pray every day. Establish a routine to meet the sacred every day. Good things emanate. What you emanate now is the most important thing. And sing, dance, resist through art, joy, faith, and love. Tell me what you think about that. Do you have any type of uh, rituals you do on a daily basis? Or could you conceive of any that might be helpful? Yeah, I do. And this... Um, this opportunity, uh, I've been working from home uh, along with uh, Gary. Um, it has been an opportunity to sort of solidify rituals. Uh, one ritual I have is uh, exercise. I think, especially right now, it's really important. I talked a little bit about it in the last episode that we did, but uh, maintaining um, physical body and uh, also meditation, meditate every day, usually in the evening time. Um, I think those are two really important rituals 
if you're able to take them up. But then just, uh, I think this is also an opportunity since we're so focused now on our homes and uh, where we live and we're sort of in a state of being cut off from the world, it is a good opportunity to establish rituals of how we relate to just everything we interact with in our lives. Um, it's a good opportunity to sort of reset our habits and reset our minds. They're always sort of cycling and considering what we have to do for the day and coping with what's going on in the world. Uh, things like being grateful for whatever you're doing in that moment. I find that when I take a shower um, and concentrating on gratitude for the water and the experience of the shower, it's a really powerful thing. I think that the water, Ra described it as a, a, a crystal, I think. And the water, when you emanate that gratitude for the water, it kind of helps to fill your being with that vibration. So um, establishing rituals like that i think this is a really good opportunity for that because uh, the best way to establish habits and disrupt old habits is to enter a new world to um, break away from your routine world and experience a new world and then establish the habits through that so those are just a couple things that i think uh, could be done i know jim you are um, probably the most habitual person that I know. So has this affected your habits at all? Uh, no, not really. It's given them more meaning. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that for everybody, this is a chance to uh, actually develop the uh, spiritual practices that everybody that is on the spiritual path would really like to do more of and you know, meditating and prayer and contemplating and reading um, inspirational literature like The Law of One and for me, Joel Goldsmith, and trying to look at the world around me with the eyes of someone who cares and try to bring the cares of the world into some of my rituals. Uh, when Carla was 12, she started something that uh, she shared with me and I do to this day, and that's called the morning offering. And uh, at that time, she just uh, would pray and sing a hymn and uh, read from passages from the Bible. And as we uh, got married and came together in the rituals, we uh, added reading the Law of One and other inspirational books and uh, singing and praying. And so I still do that. And it's something that I'm so grateful to have her having given me because it produces uh, a spiritual foundation for my day that I can rely on it. It gives me a lens, I guess you'd say, through which I can look at the day. And I think that anybody who has any kind of concerns uh, in their lives would benefit from having some portion of their, their beginning of the day uh, devoted to a philosophical or spiritual practice. Um, meditation is the best one I know of, but uh, prayer is great. Contemplation is great. Like you say, exercise, you know, uh, done with a way of uh, exercising the body, being a, a model or a, a way of looking at also the mind and the emotion and the spirit. Uh, we can be doing that. And if we do something that helps us grow spiritually, I think that we connect on a very subtle yet very, very real sense on uh, 
subconscious levels, on spiritual levels, with everyone else around us, so that there is a kind of a, a light that is available to us, that shines through us, that in our words and our deeds uh, can be of assistance, whether we really try to be of assistance or not. It's just that it, it naturally shines through us because we've invited it there, we've inculcated it, we've planted a garden there, and we've watered it, and we've fertilized it with our attention and our time. And we can't help but benefit. And if we have any kind of benefit at all from that, then whatever contact, however much or little it might be, whether it's in person or on the phone or internet, then we have more to share. And I think that's uh, something that gains the momentum uh, for everybody. And it, if, if, you know, if one is illuminated or not all illuminated, isn't that what Ross said? I think that we can help each other by spiritually seeking for ourselves and then opening ourselves up let that energy come on through and it'll do it because it's going to where it's needed just like all wanderers do so uh, any final thoughts on that or any final thoughts on anything we've been talking about today yeah just one yes. final thing i really liked the um, conclusion you were drawing about you know tending to our inner selves is really enabling us to then shine our light outwardly and one thing that's been really drawn home to me during this whole thing is being mindful of what I'm consuming in terms of uh, information. And uh, you were sort of making a garden metaphor about watering and fertilizing. And um, I found it, in my case, really easy to get caught up in the cycles of the news, like White Eagle even talked about it in that first paragraph um uh, consume the news 24 hours a day with little energy uh with the way that social media is now and the way that our smartphones work and just we're always within a moment of reading the latest headlines it's so easy to get caught up in this loop of just the new headlines and the new headlines and those headlines for the most part are designed to entice in a certain way entice not necessarily in a positive way when it triggers anxiety that can also be enticing because it's a sort of cycle that builds upon itself so <clears throat> i think it's important to stay informed it's important to make sure you know what's going on in the world because there is a situation right now and it is calling for us to shine our light and be of service in some way but i think what i've started doing is I'll give myself 10 minutes a couple times a day to see the latest headlines. Sometimes I'll watch the local states updates. But then instead of continuing to scroll through headlines, I'll do what you said and uh, then switch over to a more spiritually oriented reading and try to sort of balance the information that can seem really scary with that eagle's view mindset that white eagle was talking about and in doing this i was actually for a while bringing mindfulness to it by measuring my heart rate as i was doing these things and initially i realized my heart rate was spiking as i was reading headlines and was experiencing symptoms of anxiety and panic but as i do this i can now read the headlines without that spike in heart rate and without 
feeling the anxiety and panic and just accept it for the situation that it is and then move on and take the spiritual view and uh, do my best to just live my life as I can in this moment without knowing what the future will bring. So I think it's a really important thing to take away from what you were saying is um, uh, what we put into our minds. We also, you know, it, it grows into fruit that we then give to the world. That's well said, Austin. Well said. Well, I think we've done it. I think we've uh, had a successful podcast on this topic, and I hope we've been able to share some information that our listeners can use in their own lives as they go through each day of uh, listening to the news, of thinking about it, of taking it into their hearts, of sharing it with their loved ones, and finding a wider perspective in which to view the entire experience, because this is a global experience. This is something that None of us alive now have ever experienced before. We've heard about other generations doing it, but now it's our turn. And uh, let's see what we can do with it. Let's see if we can make something positive out of this, because I think there's always a chance of being positive in any type of uh, catalyst we have to uh, process. That's just the way uh, life is. We're meant to grow. And I think grow we shall. You've been listening to ALNO Research's The Law of One podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find more from LR Research at lrresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. A special thank you to Fox for the uh, information from White Eagle and to Austin for joining me today. If you've got a question or topic you'd like for us to discuss, please read the instructions at www.llresearch.org slash podcast. I want you to know that we love you very much here at LR Research. We're thinking about you all the time. I hope that you will communicate with us and let us know how you're doing. And we are always with you. We uh, hope that you will smile at those people you see on the street, six feet away or more, and give them your love from your heart and feel the love coming back. That's the way it works. We love you all, and we'll talk with you the next time. <laughs>